the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and here. My name is Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Talking about getting you to retirement one day at a time. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. What are some of your biggest financial home runs? People love that kind of story. I like the big financial strikeouts myself. I think those stories uh, tell us a lot more than you would imagine. You know, one of the dumbest things I ever did financially was buy season tickets to the NHL Washington Capitals. At the time, I totally enjoyed it. I was totally into it. But it's 41 games. And it was a 45-minute drive, plus parking, plus everything else. And and I remember, like, about three games in, I'm like, I'm in over my head. I still have 38 more to go, and I'm like, I'm bored out of my mind. Like, it's a commitment. And it was it was a lot of money. And then suddenly, like, at one point in time, you're, like, taking a girlfriend, or you're taking your best friend. And they're like, do you want to go on Friday? And they're like, no. And like, okay, let's do option number three. Um, Hey, Mike, uh, you know, my radio producer, do you want to go? And he's like, Sure. And you feel obligated to pay for him because he's not really in the situation of going to games, doesn't really want to go, but he's willing to go. And uh, it just sucks. One of the biggest mistakes I ever made. So, And I, it's funny because uh, I look at like uh, basketball fans and Raider fans, especially Raider fans more than San Francisco, and I'm just like, you look like you have no money. How are you spending so much money when you look like you have no money? I think we've got a phone call, maybe JP in SF. JP, how are you? Hey, Rob. How's it going? Thanks for taking my call, man. Love the show. You're very, very kind, and um, I wouldn't love this show myself. I'd find it kind of annoying, but uh, what's up? Hey, yeah, so my retired question is... uh, I heard you once say you should be uh, contributing up to 15% of, of your total take-home for retirement. So in my case, I'm a government worker. 
Good. I'm currently contributing uh, about 11% into the state pension system. <clears throat> and uh, the county there, they offer a 457 deferred comp plan. Sure. So should I be bumping that 6% or to, you know, to get around the 15% total you recommend? Or is that going to be 15% on top of the 11% I already contribute? Um, what do you do for the government? Um, let's just say I'm adult babysitter. Adult babysitter. Yeah. Okay. Um, in, in, ca- the, in the county jail there. Okay. So you're a correctional? Are you a correctional officer? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I work. Oh man, I would love to pick your brain because I, I imagine you've seen a lot of things. But um, and you're going to get a pension from a it, county. It's uh, the Calpers. Okay, perfect. <clears throat> so thanks for the call. Um, you're in a situation where you need to supplement your income. It's a lot like teachers. It's a lot like firefighters. It's a lot like police. And, you know, thank you for what you do because we need those adult babysitters per se. And Lord knows I'm not going to do it. Um, <clears throat> but you're going to get a nice pension. And the more you can put aside, the better your choices will be in retirement. And maybe that means you have to sacrifice today to put more aside. Um, you said you're at 11%. There's something called, and let me go backwards for the listeners. There's something called a 401k. It's tied towards corporations that are for profit. Uh, KDOW is owned by Salem Broadcasting, and they're a for-profit company. Uh, so we have a 401k, but, you know, if I were to date a school teacher, she might be in a 457 type of scenario. Or if I were to date maybe someone who works um, in charity work, it might be a 403B if it's a nonprofit. Um, so 401k, 403B, 457. 457 tend to be tied towards those government workers, state workers, federal workers. And um, yeah, I'd contribute everything you can <clears throat> and, and sacrifice the now JP. So it's it'll give you more options when you retire. Maybe you'll say, I get my full pension at 26 years, or you have to wait till 31, and you'll say, whoa, I can wait till I'm 31 and, and you know, kind of scale back my hours a little bit and get more money, or it's just going to give you more options. So in retirement, I kind of want the, the the option to have grandchildren. And to have grandchildren, for the record, you have to have children. I think that's kind of part of parcel again goes with that. But I think grandchildren sounds like a pretty cool job. Children sounds like, oh my god, you mean I have to feed this kid? Or as my mother, as my mother said, you have to change their diapers. And she's like, I did, I changed your diaper. I did my job. And I'm like, your job is changing. And she goes, if I didn't change your diaper, your, your wee wee would have fallen off. I'm like, wait, what did you say? Mom, mom, too much information. Too much information, mom. So I think being a grandparent sounds a lot better than being a parent, right? All right, all right, all right, um, and I want you to be the best grandparent, where you know. All right, all right, all right, all right, where you have. All right, all right. Wouldn't you love to have Matthew McConaughey as your godfather or your grandparent? That would be pretty cool. All right, all right, all right. Dude plays bongos nude. There's nothing wrong with that. He didn't come from Italy. He didn't come bearing a an offer you cannot refuse. Okay, is it me or were the Godfather movies a little overrated? Can we be fair? Can we say a little overrated? A little bit, maybe? 
try to watch the three Godfather movies uh, on a weekend. And I, I challenge you. It's so funny because I work with people that think they're Italian. <laughs> and they talk about being good Italians. And you're not Italian. So that's all I'm going to say. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, so, yeah, max out what you can so you have options in retirement. And you can retire earlier or later. Or you can retire wealthier or poorer. Or you can decide to leave money to children or not. One of the biggest mistakes people make is they go all out on their first kid. Madeline, hey, Madeline. Oh, Madeline's walking today. Let's buy Madeline some shoes, some Nikes. And, like, poor little Madeline doesn't have a concept of what's going on, and you're you're strapping $100 shoes on her. It's something that 20-somethings and 30-somethings do. And uh, I was a fifth boy, so I didn't just have hand-me-downs. I had hand-me-downs of hand-me-downs of hand-me-downs. So, you think I ever saw new clothes in my life? Look at me now, and you'll be like, you've never, ever bought new clothes. Um, the people I feel the worst about when I first moved to the Bay Area almost 20 years ago was uh, BM, uh, Marin was the BMW capital of the world. Not because Marin had the highest job income in the world. It's because people are taking money out of their house to buy cars. And to me, a car gets from point A to point B. And I like a good truck um, because it's useful and people want to borrow it. And like you can say, sure, you can do whatever you want with my truck. But if you lend them your BMW, you're like, no, 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 you can't. No, there's no no beverages allowed. No, no. Um, I've never gotten people who've overspent on cars. I'd rather overspend on vacations. But you choose. I'd rather have money in retirement. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. On the iHeartRadio app. Call Rob Black now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. In the first segment, we talked a little bit about renting versus buying, and there's no shame in being a renter especially if you're in a rent control type of area where you're able to save more. I think both are right answers, saving and buying a home and renting a home. They're all great. Having proper insurance is part of the formula as well. If you don't, if you don't insure things, you know, you can kick over dead and like someone that needs you, um, could be left in, in fits and starts, so to speak. So one of the things I want to get at in this segment, having already talked about someone who walked away from owning a home, is I was recently in a foreign land and they said, wait, wait, you can sell your home net six figures, seven figures? Like, Why are you still working? Why are you still doing this? I'm like, that's a pretty good question. And 
it's because I've got an investment mentality when it comes to real estate. With the financial crisis 10 years behind us, a lot of investors are done with licking their wounds. And we're like, woohoo, life is good. Happy days are here again. Stock market's long since recovered and went up eight straight years. Will it be nine? Americans were told long ago that a home was part of a key investment. I remember being a young man, and the man sitting with me right now is Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. We were both young men together in college times. And um, back then, you know, you're talking the early 90s, a home was an investment. Americans were long told it was an investment, essential to building wealth and getting into the middle class or staying there. A lot of people were hit hard by the housing crash that left tens of millions of people owning their homes worth very little, both in 2006 as well as in the early 90s. Uh, housing went through a major, major crash. Home ownership is not an investment. It's a lifestyle choice for those wanting the freedom of owning your own home and land. People who assume a strong rate of return on their home purchase, they're living in the 1990s. Can we get a little... Um, Wah, wah, wah. Um, bon Jovi, a little living on a prayer. We need some 90s to pull us out of this. Maybe a little bit of grunge to pull us out of this. So people who assume a strong rate of return are living in that 90s kind of mentality. The commercials then were, you know, buy real estate. And then sometimes when uh, Trump and North Korea start talking about nuclear weapons, it's buy gold. There's always going to be something out there. Over time, home ownership has worked well, but only for those who are sensible. Don't speculate with the house you live in. In fact, I would probably consider buying less of a house to live in and consider more of your investments in real estate tied towards duplexes and other ways of, of cash flowing properly. Uh, buy within your means. Buy where you want to live. Buy slow. Buy smart. Know that over time the housing market's been as stable of a vehicle for growth as the stock market, but that's over time and not in the short period. It's not meant to be Wow, I made a lot of money in the last five years. Time to cash out. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Do you look at the housing market as in the 1990s um, as an investment? It was a big, big theme back in the 90s. Well, it wasn't something that we were taught. Uh, you brought me back uh, quite a few years, and I tried to put myself back in my 20s and early 30s, and it, it didn't sound like something that we were taught. It was more something of, this is what we want to get. This is what we want to do. We well, want to place commercials on foreclosures. I don't know if you remember the 90s. They might have moved fast for you, but buy a home and auction. I, and I think that was the first, the first time I, I remember hearing about real estate being an investment and, and a way to make money. Um, we had a friend that went down to Houston and was buying trustees. And all he would do is just buy a piece of paper and then turn around and sell it. Um, and we were like, is it that easy? Is that a scam? Uh, so the mentality has definitely changed, I, I, especially when you do see a place like the Bay Area, especially if you grew up in the Bay Area, you've definitely seen it, uh, where you, you're looking at double, triple digits in some cases, returns on your investment. But where we really see people making the commitment, and for a long time, retirement and real estate were not used in the same sentence. It is today, but it, it wasn't in the past. Uh, people would do one or the other, um, and the people who really concentrated on real estate uh, were doing it really with their primary residence because that wasn't their main goal. It was a house over their, you know, roof over their head. It was they would aim towards rental properties or some sort of um, vacation property that they could rent out, and um, and it was always like, hey, we're going to go to the beach, you know, three or four times a year. Why don't we own that property instead of 
um, instead of renting out and that's rented to other people and start making some money. And that was like the East Coast mentality. And the West Coast mentality was similar in, in some respects, but we, they watched their, their primary residence go up. And then they saw rents kind of fluctuating. And, uh, so it, it really kind of depends on, on when you start and what you were taught when you were younger. I, I think today a lot more people are savvy about it. Tony's my mortgage lender, and I've done numerous mortgage loans through him, and you can trust him, and he'll do your paperwork right, and he'll get you the best product for you. He got me a loan, get this, 3.2%, which is pretty good for a 30-year fixed. I would be loco in the cocoa to ever give up that mortgage because it's low cost of money. That's a lot of money. And like, it's like almost like walking into a casino. It's, it's not like walking into a casino. I should be very cautious on how I say this. It's almost too good to be true. My dad never got that much money for that low of a cost. So anyway, Robert Johnson, president of the American College of Financial Services, he said that homeowners appear to be homes appear to be stable investments because you don't get minute to minute price fluctuations, and that's true. And I look at my house; it's up fifty percent in the last eight years. And you know what would have been a better investment for me? Living in Tony's extra spare room and putting my mortgage cost in the stock market because I would have been up 125%. But I had, like, I want to own a home. I want it to be mine. I want to come back on Fridays and sit in the backyard and have pina coladas. I would have charged you a lot, though. There would have been some In my spare room. But then the, the cost of the home, also the property taxes, the amount of paint that I put on the walls, I would have been up a lot more. But again, because you don't see home prices published in the newspaper every day, and you only look at the long-term gains, people are smoking the. Do you remember that when when home prices were posted in the newspaper, you uh-huh. pick up the Sunday paper and it show you the what what the home sold for, and that that was our way of getting the information. I don't remember, I remember that. that. Yeah, newspapers. Tell me more about them. <laughs> they were those pieces of paper that had information on it that we used to pick up in the driveway every morning. So leverage, and I hear this from people who are in real estate clubs, which I find real estate clubs to be kind of silly. It's like, hey, everyone, let's come talk about how great real estate is, and let's talk about great properties you can buy. And oh, by the way, I've got a piece of pro- uh, the, the the owner of the real estate club is like. I happen to be a mortgage lender that I'm not really telling you that, but it's passive aggressively I'm marketing this. So if you come to the real estate club, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to be pushing how great real estate is because you're going to probably do business with me. Or they're tied towards the property, or they're tied towards the realtor, or they're tied towards the 1031 guy, or they're tied towards the attorney. Um, Be very cautious on clubs per se. Um, Clubs can get you in trouble. So anyway, let's talk quickly, um, not about leverage. Let's save that conversation for later in the show. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at Rob Black's show. Anytime there's a seminar, Tony's show is up. So if you want to talk real estate, you can. He's my guy. CFP Chad Burton's in the mix as well. You can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. That's where I'm at. You can find me at NewFocusFinancial or Rob Black's show. That's RobBlackShow.com. Check me out. Um, if there's a seminar, use code RADIO25 to get in for free. If you want to start figuring out real estate investments, property ideas, contact Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Join the conversation, 800 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, um, stocks. Um, <clears throat> Toyota is on the verge right now of overthrowing Ford Engineal Motors as America's market leader in trucks. Toyota, you may remember, had some really big problems in Japan years ago. And they got over it. It's basically because they're a pretty well-trusted brand. When you buy a Toyota, you kind of know that if it breaks down, that they make so many of them worldwide and they use similar models, that the parts aren't going to kill you. It's not like a unique vehicle. So you're buying standards, per se. Um, just throwing that out there. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. And uh, we could talk about debt. We could talk about CEOs. Uh, Indra Nuyi uh, was named CEO of Pepsi back in 2016. She was named chairman in 2007. Um, did I say CEO in 2016? I meant 2006. Ten years later, uh, she talked about some of the lessons she'd learned from running the $166 billion company. And I find her interesting. Uh, first and foremost, she's a woman in a man's world. Whether that's sad, pathetic, or what have you, it is what it is. Um, one of the lessons she taught me was that people are everything. The success of an enterprise is usually comes down to one thing, the team. So as an investor, I look around and I try to figure out what's a good team. You often hear Elon Musk likes to hear criticism from his employees. Uh, as an investor... You know, I look at, you know, who's my team? Um, I like to use standard pours uh, for research. Um, I have a CFA, so I have a CFP. Uh, CFP is a fiduciary. Anyone who claims things like 8% returns, it's bogus. It's messed up. It's misleading. It's wrong. Um, and there's probably something pretty negative tied to the reality uh, one of the things you could always do is if someone promises something, take a look at their background. And if they're not being tied towards a group like FINRA and or the SEC as a regulatory group, uh, FINRA and the SEC do a pretty good job of weeding out the weasels. Um, but not every group does. So FINRA, and you know, this is a good example of there was a guy years ago on the radio who talked about Bucket's Money. And you would think from the way he talked, he was legit. He was he was awesome. But when you just took a look at his FINRA record, which kind of regulates the uh, tied towards insurance, you could see that he was pretty big fraud. Not a fraud. Let me correct that. You could see that he had many people complain and bring legal action. Now that's not super important in of itself because let's face it, in a up market, no one's going to sue you. In a down market, people might. Um, what stinks about the industry, and this has to change, is a lot of times people 
will sign paperwork that they don't realize what they're signing, but they basically agree to mediation. And mediation is something that's a lot easier to, to legally hide your your flaws than um, going to court. And typically, it's it doesn't work as well in your favor. So, Indra Nooyi uh, was born in India. And on one of her trips back to India to visit her parents after being named CEO of Pepsi, she wrote, The way I thought about all of people changed suddenly. Um, you know, writing notes to employees to acknowledge their contributions and their accomplishments. So she said, a steady stream of family and friends come into the house. They'd go right over to my mother and say, congratulations, or you did such a good job raising Indra. Watching her friends praise her to her mother, she realized that, you know, um, they were really doing it for her. So um, what was pretty interesting was when she got back to the United States, she started writing letters to the parents of some of her executives and sometimes to the spouses of some of the executives. And she said she got a lot of meaningful experiences from it. Um, so she said, you know, her advice is, uh, try writing to, try praising the people's family and not necessarily the people. I, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know if you do. Um, but I think it's pretty cool. So I like talking money and investing. And part of money and investing is sometimes figuring out how to be successful. Um, how feeling broke is a good thing because you feel. Um, how being on a rooftop bar probably tells me you're spending too much money. So you got to be kind of intelligent with how you spend money and how you save money and how you invest money. So spend, save, invest, earn. How many more action words can you put in front of money? Um, I think it's important. So I have credit cards and I pay them down every single month to their balances so that I don't get charged interest rates. If I were to charge interest rates, I would not have credit cards. I'd go to all cash. Now, what's pretty interesting about all cash and this is going to be interesting. It's not going to be wildly interesting, but it's going to be interesting. I know some people that go on all-cash diets to see how much they actually spend. And one of the things that means is, let's say this week you're going to go on an all-cash diet. You pay your bills. You're going to pay them in cash or check. You're probably going to use check. So you don't really see that money, right? But let's say you pay your bills in cash, right? Uh, restaurants. I think you'll start spending less money if you used all cash. So it's a good way to test your budget because it makes you very conscious of what's coming in and what's going out. And I think it's a great lesson you could do with kids is give them cash um, and let them kind of learn the value of, of, whoa, I lost money there, I lost money here, I lost money. And see, tell them they could save whatever they have at the end of the week. So, you know, there's there's ways of doing little tricks here and there and uh, um, I think it's kind of cool so switch to a job with better work-life balance um, I hear that all the time because my work-life balance stinks and that's not a good thing so I think that's a good tip though for most people if you need inspiration 
to become a better entrepreneur, a better investor, a better anything. Um, I don't think you need the investment books. I think you need something else. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg's got a good book out there, Jeff Bezos, Tim Cook. Learn what they were doing in their 20s. Um, and you'll quickly learn how people get rich and how people succeed. So a lot of time it's education. So Sheryl Sandberg's worth about $1.7 billion. She's just under 50. She got a Harvard MBA. When she graduated, she was offered a job at Google for a position, which at the time didn't meet any of the criteria she was looking for. But she took it after talking with CEO Eric Schmidt. And she recounted in 2012... Uh, at a commencement speech to Harvard Business School grads, she said, he said, get on a rocket ship. When companies are growing quickly and they're having a lot of impact, careers take care of themselves. And when companies aren't growing quickly or their missions don't matter much, that's when stagnation politics come in. If you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, don't ask what seat, just get on. I like that. Jeff Bezos in his 20s, again, Richest man in the world, second richest man in the world, depending on the week. He worked for a failed startup in his first job out of college. Then he moved on to a bank. Now, it was Bankers Trust, which is now part of Deutsche Bank. But he developed software applications for pension funds. He was so good at the company uh, that they named vice president. Finally, he moved on to D.E. Shaw, which was a private equity firm. Uh, but since an opportunity with the Internet, he quit. And a few later, in his early 30s, he founded Amazon.com. So he was good at what he did. Not great, but very, very good. And at 53 years old, one of the richest men on the planet. But in his 20s, he was on his way. Not quite. It was literally starting Amazon that did it all. I'm not going to say all of it. Tim Cook, he's 56 years old. For some reason, I think he looks older. After graduating from Auburn University, and is that mean of me to say because I guess he has silver hair? He joined IBM in 1982, where he stayed for 12 years. So he worked at IBM through his 20s. He worked in distribution manufacturing, which he became very good at. He was known for dedication. He was known for working over Christmas. He was known for uh, working over New Year's. He said he can complete the orders for the year. Uh, With IBM, Cook was known for being happy uh, with his old bosses. Uh, Once saying Cook had the manner that he'd really caused people to enjoy working with him. He eventually joined Apple in 1998 after working for two other companies, electronic companies. He's now worth $785 plus million, but in his 20s, he worked at IBM. Do you see a theme here? Everyone started getting successful in their 30s. Pretty much so across the board, except for Sheryl Sandberg, where she got out of college and someone said, get on this rocket ship, and she got on the rocket ship. Uh, I don't know. Gina Rometty is tied to IBM, and she's got a similar story where she worked at General Motors um, and kind of crafted her skill set. Be patient and make sure your qualifications match your goals. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more, talking stocks, talking investors, talking CEOs. Find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show.
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening. Talking a little stock, talking a little investing. One of the things that we have to pay attention to when investing is, if you're investing in large companies, is their exposure to foreign markets. There are companies like Apple that get a large share of their business overseas, General Electric, Intel, Microsoft. Like you can, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to name and think about companies like Merck, Pfizer. Like there's just tons of them, right? So when you think about that, and you think about the dollar, there was a time when I vacationed when I was younger, and like um, the dollar got really weak or the dollar got really strong. I went to Europe, I could buy less or I could buy more based on what their currencies were. And this was before the euro, so I had to deal with strong currencies, maybe in Turkey, weak currencies in Italy, and like the dollar could do different things in exchange rates. So it was always interesting. And I think dealing with other countries' currencies is kind of fun anyway, right? I kind of am sad that we've, we've missed that. But uh, like Portugal had the escudos. I called them excuses. Because um, you get like... One dollar buys me a million excuses. I'm like, sweet. I know I'm saying that wrong, and I'm okay with that. But the bad news buck. So when investing in companies like Intel and Microsoft and Apple, sometimes you'll hear during the conference call that, you know, our earnings were impacted positive or negative by Forex, the foreign exchange. Now, first and foremost, I don't want you buying currencies. It's incredibly tough to do. It's incredibly expensive to do. There's an incredibly high markup, a lot like gold. You don't need it. You know, if you want to buy gold, you can buy an ETF. You don't have to buy a gold bar. You don't have to store the gold bar. But I'm not that guy. I'm not a gold guy. So the bad news buck right now, the dollar has declined against every major currency. It's, you know, down 5 to 11%, pretty much across all the major currencies, whether it be the euro, the yen, um, or the pound sterling. And the buck has declined, and that causes the way you, not invest, but the, the way you think about the earnings and the quality of earnings. So if a company fires their, you know, 10% of its staff and their earnings beat expectations, that's not impressive because they've lost a lot of staff in the process. Now, again, you could say they're right-sized or downsized, or you can say that, you know, uh, they're leaner and meaner, which is great. But in the end, it wasn't from new revenues. It was from figuring out that we had too many employees here. So the weaker dollar helps U.S. exporters. It pads the buying power of visitors. It has widespread impact in the stock market. Tech companies' strong sales, nearly 60% of which are earned overseas. They look even stronger when translated back into dollars. Um, so you do your business over in Europe and you do the euro, you turn current convert it back into dollars, you're like, whoa, get more bang for your buck. When foreigners come to visit the United States on vacation, they get more bang for their euro. So us, not so much. With the U.S. dollar index down to its lowest level in about a year, odds are increasing the dollar could bounce back in the short term. But again, I don't play these games. I'm not a crystal ball kind of guy. 
Um, sentiment right now has retreated, and it's far less extreme as far as, you know, will there be war? Will there not be war? Will there be Republican Democrats to get along? Will there not be? Race tensions in the United States is the new thing. A couple of years ago was tensions with the police and race. Um, there's a lot of headlines out there. 50 stocks in the Standard Poor's 500 index with the most overseas revenues are up more this year than the top 50 with only domestic sales. So having that weak dollar has helped companies benefit strongly. Having a weak dollar in the United States, you did okay. You know, at one point in time, I saw the numbers were about 13.8% for international companies like big international companies like Apple and Intel. Up 13.8% for the top 50 in the S&P 500 versus just 1.3% for the 50 with only domestic sales. So think of companies like Bank of America that don't have foreign exposure. So when the U.S. dollar index is down, odds are increasing the dollar could bounce back, right? Um, there wasn't too long ago where the volatility index on Wall Street, which measures, you know, um, movement above the norm, and when you got to the norm, it was boring, boring, boring. When one analyst said, you know, we're coiling, we're going to bounce. And uh, there's some truth to that. Just like, you know, the dollar's going to bounce around. The dollar index had ri- just risen for five straight years when you take a look back um, where the buck is very bullish. Sentiment has retreated and it's less extreme now. Um, we're not looking at the U.S. as the strong economy or the strong currency of the world. For five years, we did. Now, there's a lot of geopolitical skirmishes that can accentuate the dollar status as a safe haven. Congress is going to have its hands full when they you know, have to start dealing with budgets and track records. Resolving the debt ceiling could nudge the dollar higher. Uh, the dollar most likely is going to continue to retreat, though, against the euro because Europe's picking up steam in their economy. They're a little bit behind the U.S. Um, And, you know, you get scenarios where Americans are buying German cars or French wine. You have to sell the dollars to buy the euros, effectively increasing the supply of dollars and the demand for euros. Um, So we're big consumers and our economy is good, but the European economies are improving. So you have to study a little bit of the dollar and feel comfortable with it because it creates big differences from companies that have foreign exposure to companies that don't, both positive and negative. I'm talking stock. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Stock Talk with Rob Black. Hi, this is Rob Black from Rob Black and Your Money. Retirement planning is more complicated than ever, and it can be hard to even know where to begin. But focusing on a few essential issues can help increase your income in retirement and your chances of enjoying a secure future. Join us for Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar Thursday evening, November 16th from 630 to 830 at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. Registration is $25. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Sign up at robblackshow.com. CFP Chad Burton is going to discuss transitioning your portfolio from accumulation phase to the income phase. Passive versus active portfolio management. Choosing the right accounts to draw from first. Minimizing your retirement income taxes, social security strategies, good and bad retirement products, and much, much more. In addition, I will discuss the market outlook, and attorney Michelle Lerman will explain how to update your estate plan to reflect the latest laws. 
That's Thursday, November 16th, 630-830 at the Toll House Hotel in Los Gatos. Registration is $25. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Sign up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. And use the code RADIO25 to get in free. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.